0: Hello and welcome to the Meta Woman podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss. Together we're going to have conversations about what it's like to be a woman in the gaming industry, how we can better support people in the gaming industry, and what we can do to build a better environment for all. To our returning listeners, thank you so much for supporting the show. And for new listeners, welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm so excited to introduce our guest this week, Cecile Matthews. Cecile is the CEO of GameRabble, an online coaching platform designed to offer tailored programs to individuals. GameRabble focuses on helping players meet their goals while allowing coaches flexibility to set their own rates and schedules. Cecile, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So to start, would you be able to tell the audience a little bit about yourself, a couple sentences of introduction and a background?
1: Sure. Sure. So, as you said, I am the co-founder and CEO of GameRabble. We're a coaching, training, and development platform for players of all ages and skill levels. Uh, We built GameRabble after thinking of helping to get my son, who's a video game fanatic, into eSports. But we couldn't find anyone we were comfortable with. And as we looked more into it, most everything on the coaching side seemed to be very male and testosterone driven, which was quite off-putting. You know, I I've talked to a
0: couple moms about how they got into the gaming industry. And it's so it's so funny how many um, moms have wound up starting their own businesses just because they didn't like what was out there, Um, which kind of brings us to our first topic, which is when it comes to entrepreneurship and gaming, we're at the start of explosive growth. It really feels like people are able to build things from the ground up. Uh, The problem with that is that the more established companies are definitely having problems in creating work environments that are kind of that reach equal parity for women. Um, And it it was unfortunately for me, it was a little bit hard to actually find statistics on small businesses and how many of them are actually owned by women. But there was some on the bigger picture businesses. Um, A 2020 study found that of the top 14 global gaming companies, 84% of executive positions in the gaming industry are held by men, and outside of those executive ranks, only 24% of those working in the industry are women. And unfortunately, there was an even worse survey which of women in the UK who worked in the gaming industry, where about half, around 45%, felt that their gender was a limiting factor in their career progression, and one-third noted they had experienced direct harassment or bullying because of their gender, which just does not paint a very good picture um, for women entrepreneurs or even women who are who are looking for a more traditional career path to enter the industry. So can you talk a little bit about what it's been like for you as a woman and as a CEO to build
1: a business in the gaming industry. Yeah, I think, um, I think there are opportunities, um, but we've got a long ways to go. Um, as you alluded to, whenever we think we're making progress, whether it's in character design or addressing workplace issues, um, we take another step back with situations like you know what's going on at Activision Blizzard. So that being said, people are being held responsible for their behavior now when before, you know, it could be swept under the rug. On a positive note, when I look around, I do see women entrepreneurs in the game industry having success. And I know people in senior positions at game publishers. I see leaders of industry organizations who are women. We have coaches who are women. Um, I think there are similarities to what women entrepreneurs face in STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and math. And there are challenges and less representation, but there are opportunities and more and more women are establishing themselves and finding success.
0: How do you see it with, do you kind of see a opportunity for women at these more entrenched cultures? Like, do you see things changing there as well as in the entrepreneurial space? How do you see that balance?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that. There are there are opportunities to um to 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 see to see change in the culture for both uh, established organizations, established companies, established players, um, ver- and uh, establishing your own company, right? Like so, you've talked mm-hmm. about you you've met other people who don't see you know something that they like in the marketplace, so they set out and create it themselves. So I do think anything's possible. Um, I mean, when we look at uh, something like the, the traditional sports industry, right? So mm-hmm. the introduction of things like the WNBA and, you know, the growth of women's soccer, um, mm-hmm. it is an ongoing battle, but progress has been made and continues to be made. Um, we see women coaches, officials, people on and off the field um, and in other professional sports, we see women leading the way in sports like snowboarding and beach volleyball. So I think both establishing new culture and changing old culture is possible, perhaps with varying degrees of success. Yeah. That's what I always kind of think about is
0: I, I mean, this is very personal of me specifically, but I think it's so much harder to change an entrenched culture. Like I going into a place and getting people to actually have an open mind when they've been doing things for so long is feels so daunting. Whereas when you have the opportunity to start your own business, it feels like there's more chances just to lead the way that you would want to be led at another company. So I don't know if that was, I mean, if you could talk about a little bit, your motivations with starting your own business, I know part of it was your son, but what did you see that was kind of lacking when you were looking for coaching platforms and how were you able to incorporate that into your own platform?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, you know, um, I am one of those people who believes that you should be the change you want to see, um, and so I think that you know that's a great point to make about what did I what did I see was lacking. Um, you know, when I think when when I think about what um, Game Rabbles trying to do, um, we're trying to um, we have kind of these core values. We're trying to to create a community in a place that's more inclusive. Uh, more approachable and fun Um, so I feel like when you look at a lot of the other we'll just say uh, gaming coaching esports coaching um, sites specifically um they look very serious, right? A little bit intense, um, sometimes kind of intimidating. Like my son was joking with me today and he was like making that scowling, you know, pose. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, exactly. Like we kind of wanted to bring the fun back into um, gaming, right? Especially for, you know, the the younger players. So college, mm -hmm. high school, club level um, players uh, that, you know, you don't have to be, the scowling kind of serious player to be good, right? Like you can have a lot of fun and, you know, it's you're playing, right? Um, so that's one of the things that um, you know, we're very conscious about um incorporating into um, you know, what we offer.
0: Well, I like that you bring that up because we actually um so for those of you that don't know, I'm also a part of the business of esports team. Um we do a live after show where I kind of get to be a little bit of a gaming pundit and we go over some of the current news. And we actually had a story uh, not that long ago about, I I believe it was CSGO, where at the tournaments, they stopped allowing coaches and players to high five.
1: Uh, Did you see this story, Cecile? I think it was was actually the (laughs) podcast where I saw something about Uh like silencing game coaches. And then I kind of had to read up a little bit, but something about like no touching and then cheering sounded like it might be right well, to be fair
0: part of that story is that I, I swear it was csgo but part of the story was that they had had a massive cheating problem so this was supposed to be wrapped into kind of the measures that helped address the cheating but all i saw was a way of forcing players and coaches to do the extremely old style of you know we're here to win and you can't think of anything else and you can't have fun and as a former athlete that those are the coaches I always did the absolute worst with. So I like that part of what you focus
1: on is actually finding a way to
0: have fun in the game. Yeah. It just think seems it's so, so natural to
1: enjoy, you know, what you're doing. It's, it's, it's video games at the end of the day. Right. So, um, we, we have that philosophy.
0: Well, I like that too because I actually think it helps address some of the toxicity. I think that there's a, a really uh, quick tendency to kind of fly off the handle and get into rage. And as someone who lives with a gamer, I've I've seen that happen a couple times. And I I've asked him, you know, why do you play this game if you're getting so mad at it? What what are you doing with your time? Like, this doesn't seem like fun. So I don't know. So is there any like thing in your coaching platform that I know that you hire coaches who intentionally try to bring the fun back, but is there any type of like training or anything like that, that you offer to help people actually focus on, you know, not getting to that point where they're expressing their anger? And instead, like you said, at the end of the day, it's video games, enjoying themselves.
1: Yeah. So I would say that, um, you know, we've intentionally recruited coaches to the platform that um, have experience um, working with younger people and are um, conscious of developing good gamers, right? So kind of developing or implementing good habits from an early stage of gamesmanship, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, just like any other sport, you want the players to be good sports um, Mm -hmm. and to realize, you know, it's it's fine to want to win. It's fine to want to be to compete and to be competitive, um, but you also have to be a good sport. You have to be respectful. So um, a lot of the clubs, leagues, um, you know, that our players are wanting to participate in, say at their high school, or their high school team have rules and regulations and, you know, mm-hmm. are also, um, you know, putting into place things, uh, processes and systems that are going to, um, you know, help players maintain, you know, Good behavior and try to develop mm-hmm. you know um try to develop them as players. so as they continue and as they play maybe more mature titles, um, mm-hmm. you know they'll maintain that um perspective. Um, you know, I think that something else that we've we've noticed is that we have at least one coach who's focused on um performance, and so not just the co- the coaching the game itself, mm-hmm. right? So you know, mental preparation, right? And having the right mindset. Um, So I think that's another thing that we'll start to see more of is, um, you know, not only thinking about how to play the game, you know, the specifics of it, but kind of how to have the right mindset to to optimize your performance. And so part of that is probably controlling your emotions.
0: Right. Well, and I think that's a great point because one of the things is I finally feel like we're moving out of this gamers live in their mom's basement kind of attitude. And so one of the things that's been happening lately that I see more and more is it's not just parents kind of getting involved in the industry, but it's gamers actually growing up and being involved in the industry. So to me, it's like if we can start these habits younger in people, then maybe we'll just all grow out of the toxicity a little bit too. You know, like it won't be cool anymore to hurl insults all the time time. So I don't know if that's, have you kind of seen that translate or have you seen like as the stereotypes kind of shed from this gamers are only in their mom's basement? Have you seen, do you think like more growth and how people are treating each other in game?
1: Hmm. Well, I think, um, I think it still depends kind of back to the the other part of our conversation. It kind of depends on which games you're talking about. Right. Um, so some of the games just kind of um, lend themselves, or maybe attract a, a a a crowd where when they're playing the game, they kind of transform into a very you know kind of um, uh, aggressive maybe uh, personality. Yeah. Um, but other games kind of lend themselves to you know still you're still competing, um, but maybe a little less intensely um with a little less uh I don't know like violent fervor right like you know it's <laughs> yeah. like if I'm picturing games right like you know the difference so you know one of our most popular coaches is the Rocket League coach right so it's just mm-hmm. a whole different kind of vibe when you're playing like you know a sports game uh, a sports-based game like that versus you know some of the other titles I think
0: Yeah, that's very true. Okay, now to circle back to kind of what I brought you on for, um, which was to talk a little bit more about Game Rabbles' ethos and all of that. And one of the things that I really love is on your website, you know, different age ranges. So we've talked a lot about younger folks in gaming and how you've been been able to incorporate, incorporate them on the coaching platform. But I like that your website also points out that older folks still have room to grow and learn how to have fun and play new games. So can you just talk a little bit about the demographics on your site and how
1: successful it's been and how you've been able to incorporate different ages? Sure. Um, Well, thank you. Um, One of our goals in starting GameRabble was to democratize esports and video game coaching. Um, And there are a couple of reasons behind that. So first of all, GameRabble recognizes that you have to be more than a good player to be a good coach. Um, And there are a lot of people out there who would make great coaches, but weren't getting the opportunity. So offering an online marketplace um, allows the market to decide what services get bought and sold. And it makes it easier, easier for a broader range of people to become coaches. And it also makes it easier for players of all ages, levels to Mm -hmm. find coaches that are a good fit for them. Um, And as far as our demographics and how successful this approach has been, as of right now, we're still seeing a slant towards the 20-somethings, but we're getting ready to roll out something specifically geared to the teens crowd, um, and we're still trying to break into the so gray beard demo of people who just want to show up their friends and coworkers, um, but we're constantly getting feedback, and we're always listening to our customers, and we continue mm-hmm. to make adjustments based on what users tell us, and we're just really happy to do that.
0: That's great. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about how players actually do get matched on the platform? Like, is it, is, is it, um, player choice or do, is there a matching process or what does that look like?
1: So for the most part on the online marketplace, um, a coach will post their profile and offer sessions, right? So different packages, Um, And then uh, someone who's seeking coaching will come onto the site and search through the coaches. So they might look for a certain game and then, you know, coaches who specialize in certain skills. Um, So for the most part, it's driven just by the player and what they're seeking. Um, That being said, uh, you know, we, we are, we have a partnership um, with NASAf, the North America Scholastic Esports Federation and with them, you know, we're working on developing um, a little more of the matching thing that you're talking about. So we're working on developing some programs that help designate certain coaches as, you know, skilled, you know, maybe they'll, you know, have certain training that prepares them to work with NASF clubs. Um, and so in that sense, there may be down the road or maybe at some point there will be some um Some kind of a matching process, but at least in the initial stages, it's more of preparing the coaches for the expectations or making sure they're prepared to coach um, teams um, at that level.
0: Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. So it's a little bit of a customer's choice at the moment. It's what it sounds like, which, which is great. Uh, I mean, that allows a lot of flexibility in uh in, for the people who are actually paying for services. So that works well. I wanted to, cause we, I mean, this is a woman focused podcast, but I also want to talk about inclusivity in general, which is why I brought up the age, uh, the age bit, because As a woman who's getting older, I very much appreciate when things are uh, geared towards different ages and not just towards the teen crowd, but you are also, um... You work with a lot of different people on your platform, I know. And I know in a previous conversation, you mentioned wanting to include aspects of inclusivity. So how are you working towards building an inclusive environment, towards reaching gender parity, towards getting minorities involved? What does that look like for you? And do you have any advice to people who are building businesses on what they can do?
1: Okay, great. Yeah, there are a few ways. So for starters, because the online marketplace is open to anyone, it provides access to those who might not otherwise be able to participate. So when you think of it as a five for a video game, players who want to coach now have a platform to reach potential customers without having to figure out how to advertise their services and process payment. So that's one piece of it. Um, we also make coaching, training, and development opportunities available for more than just the most popular games, which enables us to serve more people. And we offer services other than just game coaching, things like video game photography and that mental performance coaching. Um, We offer individual coaching and team coaching. So that kind of broadens the the pool as well, both on the player side and the coaching side. And one of the most important things we've done is we have specifically sought out coaches that we feel fit our ethos and can bring more than just coaching to our community. Um, So I think as we talked about in that previous conversation, um, we're a very people driven company. Um, you know we we are small enough right now that we believe in um, you know, as much as we can getting to know um, you know the people that we work with and them getting to know us. And you know we have you know certain core values that we think are important as we you know move this business forward.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that people driven is one of the words that gets tossed around a lot. And I know that at larger companies it's it does tend to get a little bit harder as you grow. So how have you been able to maintain that while you're continuing to kind of add to your platform?
1: Yeah, you know, so I think that, you know, right now it's me and my co-founder, my husband, who are handling most of the day-to-day operations and the things that we don't do ourselves. Are entrusted to team members, so we're very um, we're very careful about hiring people who also believe, um, you know, in the same things or hold the same values that we do in ter- as related to the company and the direction that we're trying to to go, as well as you know just the um, the identity that we're trying to uh, maintain. So I think that you know, right as like you said, as we grow, it will become more challenging. But I think the way that we plan to um, you know, we plan to attack it is by being, um, being very conscious, if not vigilant about who we, um, who we hire, who joins our team.
0: Gotcha. So for you, when we're talking about things like bringing women into the industry, I would assume that part of the hiring process is kind of just, and it might be a little bit easier, you know, as a woman and particularly as a minority woman to sort of ignore all of the other stereotypes. Um, but do you have any any advice or things that you'd like to see larger companies do that sort of take that people driven approach? I know that's a broad question, and I know you're a person who currently runs a smaller business, but I would just be curious to see like what types of things that you've done that you wish you could see in the broader industry to actually be more inclusive of people who look like you?
1: Yeah, you know, I, well, so I have been, um, I would say the beneficiary of, um, programs designed to diversify the, um, the, the workforce. Uh, so, you know, one of my previous positions was with major league baseball, but the way that I entered was as part of their executive development program. At the time, it wasn't about, it wasn't actually about recru- recruiting women and minorities to the business side of of baseball. It was about bringing in people with non-baseball um, or giving an opportunity to people without baseball backgrounds to work on the business side. And so I was coming out of my MBA program. And so I do believe programs like that are um, good opportunities to give people, more, a, a broader group of people, a chance to uh, mm-hmm. join um, industries or organizations that you know are looking to expand their um, expand the diversity of their workforce. So I do believe in um, in programs. I do believe in a lot of uh, the the organizations that have. Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, initiatives. I think a lot of those are, um, you know, the, the the really large organizations that are able to have uh, departments dedicated to that. You know, I think they're doing some excellent work and making progress. And um, you know, I I have friends who work on that side of it, and um, I I really like what I'm seeing there. Uh, so there's a lot of things that I think um, are many of the larger companies are doing and doing well. And um, I just hope it continues to, to, to grow. Right. For
0: me, I I'm waiting for the world in which those kinds of programs and those kinds of opportunities are instead of reactive are, are sort of commonplace. Uh, I do unfortunately feel as if a lot of things have been added thanks to, very negative things which is a is a positive result but i'm just looking forward to the day when those aren't thought about as a way to you know stench the the flow of bad media and instead are just are built with diversity and inclusion in mind so i think it's great to point out that companies are doing more now i just want that motivation to be there from the beginning
1: <laughs> yeah i i think it's kind of like what you were saying before you know, I agree that sometimes programs only get introduced as kind of a damage control, right? And so as more, um, as more professionals, um, I guess are rise or are developed through these kinds of systems, I think we will see people who are, who think that way kind of from the start, right? Like, um, they're just, that's kind of, It's natural or second nature to them um, to have, you know, that lens as they view, you know, the work that they do.
0: Yeah, that's definitely what I'm hoping we move towards. And it seems like we're going in the right direction. It's just that progress is a little slow for my taste, but progress is still progress. It's just, <laughs> we'll get there. Um, I would love to touch on some of your MLB experience because, you know, gaming gets compared to to traditional sports a lot, esports especially, in professional gaming. I'm not positive that there's necessarily a one-to-one comparison. I think they're very different. And, you know, in the business of esports, we've talked a lot about the different between them. But that doesn't mean that working in a professional sports organization doesn't sort of translate at least somewhat to the gaming industry. So what are those overlaps like for you? And how do you think about traditional sports versus professional gaming and kind of the connection between the two?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I was thinking about it this morning of how, you know, professional sports, Um, you know, the major, the major sports like um, MLB, NFL, um, NBA, uh, the, the, the viewership for some of these sports is is still very high, um, especially for their marquee events. So we'll just say the Super Bowl, right. Um, But I think, you know, there's so much data out there that supports that kind of on a daily basis on a on a more consistent basis there is super high engagement with gaming as um an entertainment platform or as an as a form of entertainment right so people watch it people play it um they, they get different things from it they um they socialize via gaming they um relax via gaming um so in the same so it's interesting because you think about like sports You know, some people throw on a game, you know, just, they just want to sit back and relax at the end of the day and watch a game. Some people have that now with gaming, right? Um, And similar, another, like another entertainment kind of um, property that is, you know, in the similar kind of idea or field is movies or TV, right? Like you just want to throw it on, consume it. Um, And so I kind of see that um, that's one part of, you know, the similarities between um esports and video gaming and traditional sports um but esports and gaming are in its very early stages and so that means that you know there's a lot of um a lot of room to grow as kind of the time that you know the the especially i would say the younger generations are spending on traditional sports is now shifting towards esports definitely mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I also do think that there's totally different stories depending on the sport. I mean, I'm a huge NBA fan. I played basketball for 17 years. I played it in college. Like I grew up with basketball. So the NBA totally has my heart. But what I've really seen that's cool with the NBA is that they're reaching into esports partnerships and developing things that reach more out to gamers and getting in on the culture because I I do think gaming is really tied to, you know, music culture and fashion culture um, and sports culture. But I I think that some leagues have really stepped up in terms of those partnerships. I think the NBA has stepped up the most. I'm totally biased, but they've just done such a good job of encouraging that. And so many NBA players stream and talk about streaming and all that stuff. So um, I wonder like what the MLB is going to kind of do to counter that. And I wonder what, do
1: you have any ideas about what kind of the future of professional sports looks like with gaming? I don't have a ton of, uh inside information related to that. Oh, I yeah, do no, know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember after we spoke um the first time that an article came out or I got something in my email the same day about MLB doing something with esports. But I will <laughs> say that um you know I think it's it it just didn't strike me as like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, you know, as as kind of um big as what I've seen in other leagues do so that could have been just me like it just you know kind of got lost in the shuffle like I just had so many things that I was thinking about that it didn't make a huge Mm -hmm. impression on me but I think like we were talking about with other things like um, progress can be slow depending on you know which industry or organization within the industry but that being said I think that you know the force of um, the influence of gaming is probably hard to ignore. So they're going to have to figure out, you know, how they're going to um, become involved and, you know, what they want to do to kind of partner and activate around it. Um, and so I can see how that's, you know, kind of a, a, a big, a big area to explore and really, you know, try to figure out how to do it um, effectively.
0: Yeah. Well, and with that, I will say we're talking about all these professional sports leagues and they're all male leagues. So there still is the problem of getting women's leagues, uh, the same amount of attention or, or just the same amount of interest. And as a f- former female athlete, I'm the first one to admit that they're very different sports. Um, even when they're, even when they're the same sports, you know, women's versus men's strategy can look completely different and building a fan base can look completely different. Um, I wonder, do you feel the same way about women in esports cuz i obviously women in professional gaming are also having the same sort of difficulties in reaching parity and building the followings and all of that um just as a quick aside i know that valorant has been able to do it a little bit better because they launched the shooter you know they launched in a shooter industry that's typically very male dominated but with very stringent rules about how you can speak to each other and what you can do on the platform and it's kind of a day one expectation that everyone was going to be treated equally and so i think as a result like women's viewership of valorant is much higher and there's all women valorant teams and all of that but i mean if we're following the same path of traditional sports for men and women. Like I'm not super excited for esports. Um, I think there's an opportunity to do a lot more. But from your between your experience in professional sports and now working in the gaming industry, how do you see the development of like these of, of professional esports and how do we do a better job of including women?
1: Well, so I think that one of the things that you kind of hit on is. Some of the sports that are maybe um, taking a taking taking longer to change or to you know make progress in are the ones that are maybe have been around longer, so they're kind of like mm-hmm. we were talking about before, more entrenched, more you know um, traditional. Um, and so I think that because esports is you know kind of a modern um, form of entertainment and because it's really growing up in, um, you know, the, maybe the last, what, 30, 25, 20 years, right? Um, because people are kind of from a different generation, at least, um, I'd like to think that we are starting at a point that's, you know, closer and more people, um, are, even though it's not, you know, close to parity, there are more people who are um, interested in, active in mm-hmm. um, playing and continue to play. But I mean, I think that you're right though, that the fact remains that, you know, there are lots of people. So another project that I've been involved with, and I mean, it was it was a while ago now, so it's kind of dated, but I think, you know, similarly, we've made some progress, but some things are still the same. So another product, project I worked on was the women in sports, um, like how to attract, retain, and monetize women and women in sports? And it was kind of related for it was a project for ESPN. Uh-huh. And so, you know, back then we were looking at you know, there's a lot of people who um, who play, right? So former players. Um, there's people who still play weekend warriors. And then there's people who are, you know, spectators. They like to watch with their friends, their family. So there's a few different personas, right? Um, but it's still just less than for sports. Um, it's less fewer, um, women are fans, spectators, everything than men. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would like to think because You know, there are more women participating and, you know, becoming involved with esports earlier that will be able to kind of retain and grow them um, more of them, I guess, over time.
0: That's a really good point, I, and I can see what you're saying. Is it, it, just to to kind of sum that up. You're, essentially, I think what I'm hearing is that sports are more geared towards men and more towards men's interests, but gaming seems to not have as strong of a hold over just men. I also I think it's possible also because gaming is a much wider industry. Sports are very narrow um, and it's very uh, skill based and ability driven. Um, whereas gaming, like as, as, uh, one of my friends say, everyone is a gamer if they find the right game. So there's just a lot, a, a lot more room maybe in the gaming industry, uh, for women to, to carve out a niche, whereas sports are pretty kind of cut and dried in what you can do and what you can't do.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great point that we haven't, you know, we haven't even broached before is that, you know, I've heard from other, um, people when I talk, when we talk about esports and how it um how it enables people who wouldn't necessarily be able to participate in a team sport to play, mm-hmm. right? So people who don't yeah. necessarily have the physical ability to be on the football team are now playing on the esports team and they're actually playing mm-hmm. alongside somebody who also plays on the football team, right? So it really just right. kind of brings together um people who might not have played together otherwise. And to a certain extent levels the playing field, you know, because it's not based on, you know, size or, you know, right. coordination or, you know, coaching of, you know, how much time they've spent playing a different, you know, a traditional sport.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely, yeah, I think that's, yeah, we're, we're saying the same thing, but the point is that there's a much wider base. So hopefully when people are building leagues and things like that and doing professional uh creating professional opportunities, there's kind of a recognition that, hey, it actually doesn't matter as much (laughs) some of these physical attributes that you might need to play real sports, um, which is so wild uh, to think about. As someone who played real sports and who had a coach one time say that she recruited really tall women because you can't teach height, which yeah. I've never heard. <laughs> there's a, there's definitely fewer limitations in the gaming industry and there's coaches available for everyone to work on their skills. So <laughs> makes it a little bit easier. Um, well, As we sort of wrap up here, one thing that I I like to do at the end of every episode is kind of offer a moment of reflection. Uh, We've talked about a lot of things here, which has been great. We've talked about, you know, incorporating more professional programs for women, um, getting more kind of women on platforms and into job positions where they can be successful and also just kind of focusing on the people part of job hiring um, and that kind of thing. Talked about how there's an old culture versus a new culture. There's a way for entrepreneurs to build things that they don't actually see out in the world quite yet. Um, And that opening is kind of there right now because we're still in the the, the youth of this industry, I would say. Um, and for you, I would just love to end with one final question, uh, that I like to ask every guest, which is what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self about getting into the gaming industry
1: and being successful? Sure. Um, great question. Um, I, I think that something that I've learned over the years, um, uh, if you want to be happy in your work, um, you should make it a priority to work with or for people, um, that your, your values are aligned. Um, you know, that you and the company that you, you really believe in the mission of the company that you work for and you feel a strong, um, I guess, uh, alignment or affinity with what, uh, they're trying to do as well as the people that you'll be working with or for. I just think that, you know, it's so easy to get, um, caught up in picking a, you know, picking a job because of, you know, the salary or the title or something else. Um, but when I look back, um, at, you know, my career so far, I think that I have been happiest when I've been able to work with or for people, um, you know, who I just really, you know, feel aligned with in terms of, you know, the the values and, you know, the purpose, I guess, of what they're trying to accomplish. Okay. So
0: I was going to let you have the final word, but I have to chime in because that is just so apt for kind of what we're seeing. And this is a little bit outside the gaming industry, but across all industries, you know, we're experiencing the great resignation and people are finally, and honestly, this is advice I wish I had had six, eight months ago when I was at a place where I wasn't doing so great mentally for myself. And so I think like, I think saying that and saying that you should believe in what you work in, and not take a job just because it looks good on paper, or because it has a really high salary. If it's making you miserable, like you should leave it behind. So I think that's really good advice um, for anyone, not just women in the gaming industry. And I think it's a lot of what we're seeing these days. So I would love to let you have the final word if you have any other thoughts on that. But I just had to throw that
1: in there, given current events. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, you know, I think that you're right, that, um, you know, I, I know, so now, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's just uh, the reality that sometimes you have to take a job that you don't like, but don't stay in it longer than you have to, right? Like realize yeah. that, you know, I'm just doing this to pay the bills, but I really need to find something that's better aligned with, you know, what I want to do or what I believe in or like, you know, I mean you know, I've, I've really kind of discovered a lot about like this intentionality thing. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, we all have to pay our bills. So that's one thing, like sometimes you have to be in a job that you don't like, but don't, don't get stuck there. Right. Really start thinking about, you know, what's your plan and, you know, how am I going to, you know, get to where I want to be? Like, where do I want to be? And how am I going to get there? So I can be, you know, happier and more fulfilled.
0: Yeah, that's a great, that's the perfect way to end. Yeah. The intentionality thing. I like it. (laughs) And it's true. And you're very right about opportunity. Um, because yes, some people unfortunately can't afford to do that, but if you can, if you can, don't stay somewhere where you're miserable, that's for sure. Uh, Cecile, thank you so much for coming out today. It's been such a joy talking to you once again, um, for all of our listeners, make sure you check out game for all of your coaching needs. Um, and if you're interested in being a coach, highly encourage you to apply. And send your send your resume off to Cecile. Um
1: and yeah, thank you so much for coming. It was great having you. Yeah, thank you too, Lindsay.